Pam 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 Well, where is everybody? Come on in. Come on in. It's time. Those of you who are exercising, congratulations. Get that pump in there. Those of you who are just waking up, drinking your coffee, be you commuting. I don't know if many people are commuting. Comey. Did somebody say Comey? This was some brand new news about Comey. Um, Before we get going, for what will be probably one of the most, most, that's not even a word, one of the most um, amazing coffees with Scott Adams you've ever had. And I'm talking about from the beginning of time, not even just my lifetime but this will be the best one you've ever had. And all you need is, yeah, all you need is a cup or a mug or a glass, a tanker, chalice or stein, a canteen, jug or a flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure, the dopamine of the day, the thing that makes everything better, including the stupid pandemic. It's called the simultaneous sip, and it happens now. Go! Hmm. For those of you who just fast-forwarded at, at 1.5 speed or two, two times speed watching this, you might be watching it on the Locals Network, for example, uh, Locals Platform. I just did this. Coffee. And now you can slow down and get to the good stuff. All right, I don't even know where to begin. There are some days that are tragic. There are some days that are just comedic. Today would be in the comedic category. In no particular order, let me just tell you some of the news. You can make your own decisions about it. <clears throat> Number one, the president had some interesting tweets. He apparently is not too happy with uh, Brian Williams. Uh, he tweets, the president tweets this. Lion Brian Williams of MSDNC, a Concast scam company, wouldn't know the truth if it was nailed to his wooden forehead. Now, you can tell me that back in 2016 when people were saying, please don't normalize this behavior, we can't normalize this behavior. Aren't you glad it got normalized? <laughs> Would you be laughing right now if, if we had not normalized this behavior? It's the best normalized behavior ever. Are you kidding me? This is exactly what I want to be normalized. But was he done? Was the president done? No, this was a two-tweeter. Yeah, whatever Brian Williams did, I don't know what it was. He probably had some bad coverage of the president. But whatever Brian Williams did, he earned a double tweet. Now, when you've done something so bad that the president double tweets you, uh, that's not a good day. So the president goes on in a second tweet. I must admit that Lion Brian Williams is, while dumber than hell, quite a bit smarter than fake news. CNN, Anchorman, Don Lemon, the, quote, dumbest man on television. <laughs> then you have Psycho Joe, quote, 
whatever happened to your girlfriend? <laughs> Scarborough, <clears throat> another, another of the low IQ individuals. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If, that, if you don't find that funny, you're dead on the inside. <laughs> well, and, and the funny thing is, uh, the president has probably just some of the best comedic uh, sensibilities, probably the best, you know, maybe since Abraham Lincoln or something, comedic sensibilities, because even the order which he put these things, uh, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, the order he put them was perfect, because he starts out with Lion Brian Williams, because that was his target of the day, but he wants to like throw some other people under the bus, so he's dumber than hell, but he's smarter than, uh, quote, anchorman Don Lemon, the dumbest man on television. So he throws Don Lemon under the bus. Don Lemon had nothing to do with whatever whatever Brian Williams did. And then he just throws in the psycho Joe Scarborough, quote, whatever happened to your girlfriend? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, of course, the funny part, the funny part is not just that he's saying it. And the funny part is not just that it's worded Comedically, it's just sort of perfect. But it's funny because he said it at all. That's what makes it funny. Uh, part of, uh, here's a little uh, humor tip. If you want to know what makes something funny, it's things that don't go together. That's it. That, that's the rule. So you just learn the entire rule of comedy. It's things that shouldn't, that shouldn't be together. So it's a logic that's not quite logical, it's, a, it's two things that are in the same sentence that don't belong. So any, anything that doesn't fit it makes you laugh. You know, if you saw a dog wearing a hat, you'd laugh. I mean, not all of you, but you might laugh because dogs are not supposed to wear a hat. So the reason the, the, the president, his tweets are so funny, and I admit it's just to the base. Obviously, you know, his critics don't think he's funny. But what makes it funny is not just the fact that it's so perfectly worded. What makes it funny is that he did it at all, because it doesn't fit. right? The president is just not supposed to be saying these things. <laughs> so that's what makes it funny. If, if anybody else in the world had made the same tweet, would it be funny? It wouldn't, because it would just be normal. It's like, oh, people tweet things. They don't like people. They say bad things about public figures. That's not this. The fact that the president is saying it is what makes it funny. So the president went after, uh, gently, he gently went after Bill Mitchell today with a tweet on this question of whether Sweden is doing great. So Bill Mitchell, as you know, is one of the president's biggest supporters in the Internet world. Um, but he, he, uh, he decided to be sort of on the other side of the president this one time and wishes that the economy would open up sooner than the president wants it open up. So Bill Mitchell tweeted that you know, a tweet that Sweden was playing it differently and they were doing it great. And Trump tweets back at Bill Mitchell. He goes, really? Have you looked at the numbers lately? <laughs> he shows them some numbers. So the Sweden situation is just the perfect example of how humans can't agree on anything when it's political. Just anything. You would think that we should be able to agree at least on whether Sweden is doing well or Sweden is not doing well compared to other things, right? 
Wouldn't you think that would be the easiest thing to agree on? But it turns out that there are smart people um, disagreeing on that, but the numbers are starting to look bad for Sweden. So I think Sweden has something like 10 times more death than Norway and Finland and Denmark. Not, not put together, but individually, there are just way more um, deaths in Sweden. But in the whole country of Sweden, there are only 2,500 deaths as of yesterday, I suppose. And, and everything's open. Now, 2,500 deaths is a tragedy. You know, I'm, I'm getting sick of everybody in the, in the public having to remind you that we also know it's a tragedy when people die. Can I just stipulate, in case I ever forget to throw into the middle of my sentence, and of course it's a tragedy when even one life is lost, because it is, it's just too stupid to have to say it every time. But you feel like you have to do that in public. It's like, we'd like to... We'd like to open up sooner, not later, but even one life lost is one life too many. It's a tragedy. Just assume that I'm thinking that if I don't say it explicitly. So, I saw Naval uh, Ravikant, he was tweeting about Sweden, and he's essentially urging people to take a little closer look at Sweden's numbers, because maybe they're not so good after all. But... Sweden's hospitals have not crashed, right? So you actually do have an argument both ways. You have an argument that they have way more death than countries that played it differently, and that seems true. It seems objectively true that... uh, Somebody says no mind reading. Did I say something that would fall in that category? I don't know if I did, but if I did, it's fair to call it out. Um... Anyway, so there's one argument that says uh, Sweden's doing terrible, and there's another, another argument that says, but their economy is open, and their hospitals are still functioning. So if your economy is open, and your hospitals are still functioning, can you say that wasn't the right play? What you can say is that 2,500 people died, but I don't know if you can say it was the wrong decision. Yet. I, w- I would say it's still worth watching. It's very interesting. Yeah, I would say if the hospitals get crashed and it continues to worsen and it looks like it might, it might, then that would be a different story. All right. More fun news. Um, you saw that the, there were some notes found from the investigators for the General Flynn situation, um, but you may not be completely up to date because there was a, another set of notes that were just found. We don't we don't know who it was from, but I, but I have the notes. Um, so these these are some extra notes. We don't know exactly who was the author, but somebody involved in the Flynn investigation. And uh, uh, I'll, I'll just read them to you. These are the actual notes. Uh, it says Flynn notes at the top. Uh, point number one says uh, remember to ask if Orange Man's still bad. Okay. Uh, number two, threaten kids. Uh, three, kick pet, dog or cat. Uh, four, remember to burn these notes. Uh, number, f- number five, buy milk. And then there's, there's a little drawing at the bottom of a little stick figure General Flynn running away from a giant phallus labeled, labeled whoever wrote this note. So, so this looks a little damning. I mean... You know, I thought those other notes were bad, but but this was pretty bad. 
So, uh, so the president is teasing us, tweeting about Flynn and Stone, as if there's some chance that they won't be pardoned. You know, you know they're either going to be exonerated or pardoned or or whatever the other words are. There's several words for getting people out of trouble. But I would say at this point, uh, there's no longer any question whether Flynn will be a free man. And uh, I don't know how to be more amused by this. I really really don't know how. Um, It does look like Trump is cleaning the swamp, you know, draining the swamp. It it looks like people are going to go to jail. Uh, Of course, in this world, if they get good enough lawyers, I suppose they don't. But... I certainly see jailable, jailable activities. I mean, I'm no expert, but it looks jailable to me, so we'll see. Uh, I have an update to my theory that the number of suicides would go down during the lock, you know, the, during the shutdown, economic shutdown. Everybody smart in the world has predicted that the number of suicides will go up for obvious reasons. People are suffering more, they're locked up, they can't do what they want, their freedom is gone, they were already in a bad mood, it'll make it worse. So I will acknowledge that all the smart people in the world think that when we're done with this, the number of suicides will go up during this period. I am going to go contrarian on this. I haven't seen any numbers on this, by the way. If, if anybody's seen any numbers, let me know. So this is without ever seeing any numbers on it. I'm saying that there will be fewer suicides during the lockdown period, and the following logic applies. And this is a rule that you can use for many things. It's a general rule. It's called the Cheryl the Server theory. Cheryl was a a server at a restaurant I used to own. And Cheryl once noted, because she'd been a server for many years, she'd been very experienced, she noted that the customer's the, you know, the amount of traffic into the restaurant would dip whenever there was a change. So if the weather got good, suddenly there would be no business at the restaurant. But also if the weather got bad. So any big change in the world, whether it's tax day, World Series, it just doesn't matter. If there's anything that changes your normal routine, fewer people go to the restaurant. So that was Cheryl's theory. And I'm going to use the Cheryl the Server theory to say that the, the routine number of people who would have taken their own life during this period is disrupted because there's just something big in the world that changed. And so the Cheryl the Server, Cheryl the Server um, theory says that even something that you would expect, okay, every week there would be this many people unfortunately taking their own life, that every pattern is disrupted. So it doesn't even matter if the logic says, well, there's no logical reason why people shouldn't go to the restaurant because the weather changed. Because you're driving in your car and people will go to the restaurant all winter. They go all summer. Why is it just when it changes that everybody slows down? And part of it is maybe just people are rethinking their options and you know they're, they're suddenly put off their game a little bit. But I think that just the disruption in routine will actually reduce the number of suicides during the lockdown. So that's my prediction. Um, 
I'm seeing some tweets that there are studies, I guess three of them, I don't know how good they are, you can't trust any study these days, showing a high correlation between vitamin D levels in patients and the outcomes. So apparently there are studies showing that if you have a high level of vitamin D uh, in you, that you have good outcomes and you recover quickly, but people who have the least vitamin D are the ones likely to be hospitalized and die from the virus. What does that mean? Go. Does that mean that vitamin D will protect you from the virus? Because there's a high correlation between people who don't have enough vitamin D and the ones who die. All right, everybody who said yes is wrong. (laughs) If you fell for that, here's what you missed. How much vitamin D does somebody in a nursing home get? None. None. If you're bedridden, you've got three comorbidities, how much vitamin D do you have in your body? None. How uh, at risk are you from the coronavirus? Very high. Wouldn't you expect that the people who are most likely to die are also the people who haven't been in the sun lately? All right. Do you see it yet? The correlation is backwards. So it is obvious that whether vitamin D worked or did not work, you would find that the people most likely to die had the least of it. That's guaranteed. Because the people most likely to die are literally inside in nursing homes. Or they have three comorbidities and they're not spending a lot of time hiking. Right? Now, it is my assumption that vitamin D is also useful because there's so much science that suggests that. So I'm not telling you that the correlation is completely reversed. I'm just saying that you really can't make much of it. Meaning it's got to be better to have vitamin D than not, right? I mean, it makes sense that if you have enough vitamin D, you're going to be in better shape than if you're not because there's just so much science that vitamin D is good for you. But I would not trust these studies that show such a clean correlation because low vitamin people D are, are the people who would die, of course, because they're already sick. <clears throat> um, let's see. Chris Hayes is getting in trouble, Chris Hayes uh, from MSNBC, because he dared to cover the Tara Reid accusations against Biden um, on MSNBC. And it turns out that there are a lot of Democrats who are not really happy about this. They're not happy that Chris Hayes was covering the story. And I was reading the comments, you know, and the tweets about it, and it's pretty hilarious, because it turns out that people actually believe Joe Biden might be innocent. I mean, obviously not everybody, but there are a substantial number of people in the country who don't think that the accusations are credible. Really? (laughs) Now, it's one thing if you say to yourself, I can't know if it happened, because of course we can't know. Yeah, we could be wrong about anything. But when you use the word credible, credible just means does this story hold together? Do all the parts fit? Is there anything that would make you question it on the surface? And the answer is no. On the surface, it's really credible. Doesn't mean it's true, but it's very credible. So uh, then Chris Hayes is being blamed of being a, a, a Bernie supporter who hopes that Bernie still has a chance of you know, slipping in there and taking the nomination. Maybe there's something to that. I don't know. Um, 
Let's see. So Germany decided to ban Hezbollah after, quote, after assessing that the Shia group was behind a multitude of attacks resulting in hundreds of deaths and injuries worldwide. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm glad that Germany finally got the news because apparently they've never had news. Because anybody who had news, where things are reported and stuff like that, we're kind of already on this story. Kind of already on this Hezbollah is bad situation. But I'm glad that Germany finally, finally found out that Hezbollah was, was not just a social organization. So good for them. Um, so the Trump administration is looking to accelerate a vaccine. They're calling it Operation Warp Speed and have it by maybe uh, by January. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the United States will have a, a vaccine by January, which would be, you know, at least six months before anybody thought it would happen? Um, I'm going to say no on that. If I had to guess, I don't think we'll have a vaccine by January. But when I say no, I don't mean 90% no. I mean 60% no. So I'd say slightly more chance it won't happen than it will. But I like that it's out there. It could work. It's good for the economy to have these hopeful things floating around out there. Um, so was it last night I said in my Periscope that the news, the news that some uh, anonymous sources say that President Trump yelled at his campaign manager, Brad Parscale, and threatened to sue him, which doesn't even make sense, like... like it's just a crazy thing. And I said, wait till tomorrow, and the president will tell you that none of that happened. And we wake up this morning, and the president is tweeting, it's fake news, none of it happened. <laughs> fake news. None of it happened. Call it. There's a uh, strip club that has decided to, uh, to respond to the coronavirus by they created a drive through strip club. So it's in a parking lot. I guess they set up tents and stuff. So you can actually just sort of drive through and from your car window while you're still sitting in your car, you can look at the strippers who are dancing next to the car, I guess. Okay, creativity. We like that. Um, Alyssa Milano decided she needed to write some kind of a longer explanation for her uh, support of Biden, given that he's been accused of Me Too-ish stuff. And uh, it, it's, it's sort of painful and hilarious to watch her try to deal with this terrible situation. So, so some of the things she said was, so she sort of summed it up this way. Uh, she said the former, the former <clears throat> charmed actress insisted that Reed's allegations against Biden, quote, concern me deeply, but that Biden is someone quote, who I can't picture doing any of the things of which he's accused. So the standard which Alyssa Milano has decided to publicly state for why she believes Biden is that she can't picture him doing the things that he's accused of doing. Okay. Is that the standard? <laughs> if you can't picture it, probably didn't happen. That's not really a standard. Uh, if you ask me, 
Alyssa just told you that the cat's on the roof. Know what I mean? The cat's on the roof. I think she's saying that um, she's very, very aware of her situation. So let's just say that there's no, there's no, there's no stupidity involved here. It's obvious that she's a sentient human who knows exactly what the problem is and is trying to deal with the best she can. Um, and, but there's just no right solution. There's no right solution if she also wants a Democratic president. She doesn't have another option. That is obvious anyway. And I, I feel bad for her because it's such a weak... Like every woman in the world just said, are you serious? Are you saying that you're not going to believe me when I say that I got sexually assaulted because you can't picture that nice guy doing it? That's your standard? That sounds like a guy's standard. That sounds like something a man would say. Doesn't it sound like that? Like you're talking about your body and you're saying, oh, no, I don't think Bob did that. I just can't picture it. I just can't see Bob doing that. That sounds like something a guy says. It doesn't sound like something a woman says. Why? Have you ever talked to a woman? Do you know what experience women have with men every day? Oh, my God. Talk, talk to any, any modern, youngish woman in today's world and say, so uh, have men ever surprised you about how awful they really are and you didn't realize it until it was too late? I think every woman will say, yeah, yeah, I was, you know, I trusted this guy, and then he did this. I thought he was a good guy, but then he did that. It's the most common thing in the world. Turns out all men are bad. So, no, I'm just kidding. You're not. The men watching this are not bad. But all of the other men in the world who are not watching this periscope at this moment, they're all dogs. They're just dogs. Thank God we're not. Congratulations on being on the small group of men who do not ever do bad things. So, good for you. Uh, All right. So, I've been watching as the Democrats slowly realize that Biden has no chance of winning. And this is a fascinating time, because usually you don't get to be this, um, let's say, aware of a situation developing. And the situation that's developing is, more and more of the Democrats have to know that Biden has no realistic chance, you know, unless, I don't know, something happened to Trump between now and Election Day. But as long as Trump is healthy and running for election, Biden doesn't have a chance. And they must know this by now. Now, one of the things I didn't know enough about until uh, I just read about it today is apparently Biden's got some uh, explaining to do about his Senate days and... uh, some connections with the MBNA, a bank that was bought by Bank of America eventually. But there was a large bank that not only bought Biden's house, the CEO, coincidentally, the CEO of the bank that needed Biden to you know, promote their legislation and whatnot, the CEO of the bank paid way above market rates for Biden's house. He bought his house for way more than it was worth. And then he hired... Uh, Hunter Biden for uh, basically a BS job. So uh, um, Biden is just totally dirty. And it looks like it's pretty easy to demonstrate. So not only is Biden 
the financial crook that people have been assuming they would find on Trump? Like, didn't you think that the Democrats would find something by now? You know, something about a loan or some money or a deal? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but during the entire Trump presidency, they haven't really found anything they didn't know about already, right? Every, everything about the president was kind of known, and the things they thought they found, like the Deutsche Bank loan, it just didn't exist. So Biden has exactly the problems that the president's been accused of, and there are exactly the reasons that people wanted him replaced. So Biden clearly was on the take. I'm just going to say that as, say that as a fact. I believe it's demonstrated in, in the public record. Byron York did reporting on this back in 98. It, it seems to be in the public record that he was a dirty politician and he was on the take. And we know the names, we know how much money, we know how. It's just that they did it legally. So the way he took his bribes is hard to prove. Somebody overpaid for a house, that happens. Somebody hired somebody who wasn't fully qualified, that happens too. So it's all this sort of, can't really prove it, but it's also well documented and it's obvious. So he has no chance of winning. And what's the interesting part is that what, what is predicted by this slow turn to the realization that they've picked the only guy who couldn't beat Trump. I mean, I swear to God, all they needed was a sentient being as a Democrat. And, and that sentient being would have had a good chance of beating Trump just because of the popularity. But they, they managed to nominate the only guy who can't beat him. And well, maybe Bernie couldn't. But I feel like... Um, I feel like the, there's going to be this big cognitive dissonance moment. And here's my prediction. <clears throat> I believe that there will be a new reason for supporting Biden. Because it might be too late, for, at least for a little while. Maybe he'll eventually be replaced. But at least for a little while, they're going to be riding this Biden horse. And they have to, they have to say stuff about it. They have to comment, even though everybody's hiding and not commenting about Tara Reid. The Democrats are. Um, but I think that cognitive dissonance will cause them to concoct a new reason for why Biden must be the one they vote for, despite having no functioning brain and being on the take and also being you know, somewhat of a rapist. I think that they're going to have to come up with a whole new absurd-sounding justification. So remember I said this. And then I'm guessing within two weeks, maybe three, you're going to hear somebody explaining why they support Biden in words that you think are just crazy. I don't know what they'll look like, but they'll sound crazy. It'll be something like, well, I, uh, you know, I, I know that's not a perfect choice, but Biden at least protects the integrity of the Constitution. It'll just be something that doesn't make any sense. Um, Steve Cortez is doing this little video pieces called the MAGA Minute. And in it, I just tweeted it today, uh, he's saying that 69% of Hispanics are in favor of closing the border for the coronavirus. 69% of Hispanics said that you know, when it came right down to you know, the, the, uh, the metal meets the road, is, is that what they say? Rubber meets the road? When it came right down to it, the Hispanics said, you know, maybe we should close that border, <laughs> 69%. And I think it was one of the highest percentages. 
So anybody who thinks that Hispanic Americans are not um, you know, fully invested in the American situation, just look at the numbers. Hispanic Americans are um, just as America first as anybody else. Um, here's a fascinating news story that I hadn't heard of. I think this came from the Jerusalem Post. I have not seen this reported in American media. And the report is this, that when Trump was talking to the Saudis about uh, incre- decreasing their oil production to support the oil prices, uh, apparently Trump threatened uh, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman that unless they cut their production, uh, that we would withdraw military support from Saudi Arabia. <laughs> now that's a negotiation. <laughs> now, now, I think Trump denies that it happened. I think he denies saying it directly. But I don't think he had to say it directly, because even the reporting says that the way he said it, and you can't trust this reporting, at least in terms of the exact wording of things, but the report is that he, was, he said he would be powerless to stop lawmakers from passing legislation to withdraw U.S. troops from the kingdom. So in other words... The reporting is that Trump didn't say, I will take the military support away. He did it the smart way. So he can stay friends with the leaders and say, hey, if, if you don't cut production, I don't know what I'm going to do. There's nothing I can do. Congress is going to pull military support from Saudi Arabia. Now, did Congress ever say that? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> but the report is that when MBS heard this, he cleared the room to get everybody out of the room so he could talk to Trump because when he found out that Trump was threatening to withdraw all military support from Saudi Arabia, that's kind of the end of your kingdom. I mean, you got a real problem if the United States withdraws military support. Now, was the president bluffing? Yes and no. Because we don't know what would have happened. We don't know. But here was the argument that uh, I think is just a, a game-ender. So you can't have an argument after this statement. Why defend their industry when they are attacking ours? Right? So if we have our military defense def- literally defending their oil industry because we've got assets in place in a country that's mostly an oil-producing country, if we're putting our military over there to protect their oil industry and their country... Can we put up with a situation in which they're attacking our oil industry while we're literally defending theirs? As soon as you hear that, it's the end of the conversation, right? Right? That's the end of the conversation. You know, why are we defending your oil industry while you're attacking ours? Boom. You can stop talking after that, and you can just look at the other person. And if they talk, you don't have to listen because you know where it's going. Once you've said that frame, you know, we're protecting your oil industry at the same time you're attacking ours, you know that's not a situation that can last. One of you is going to change that situation. And the president just says, here's your situation. We're protecting your oil industry while, while you're attacking ours. Guess what's going to happen? You figure it out. Yeah, you, you do the math. What do you think is going to happen? If you're attacking our oil industry while we're protecting yours, you figure it out. What the, what the fuck do you think is going to happen? 
So I, I, I love that that worked out for the president. Um, so CNN has a kind of a tough time this week because they can't cover two of the biggest stories in the news. Now, they have mentioned them, so I'm not going to say they've ignored them entirely. But given that these are the two biggest stories, I would argue, they're very undercovered. So it's almost like uh, you can't find them. You know, it tends to be the, the little note on the page, not the headline. But the two big stories, of course, are General Flynn. And if they cover that, it would make the reporting from the whole Russia collusion thing look ridiculous. So that's got to be embarrassing. Plus, it's good for the president, so that they don't want to cover that. Then there's the Tara Reid accusations, which they have mentioned, but they don't want to focus on that too much. And I thought the only thing that could make this week better... The only thing that could make this week better is if there's a new study coming out saying hydroxychloroquine really works. Because then there would be three top stories that CNN couldn't cover. (laughs) And that would just be hilarious. Now, I'm not aware of any study about hydroxychloroquine that's coming out today or this week, but wouldn't it be great? Don't you think the simulation is going to serve this up? Because CNN's already like, ah... Two biggest stories, and we don't want to talk about them. We'll mention them. We'll mention them so later people can't say you didn't talk about them. But we're not going to talk about them too much. Oh, my God, if the hydroxychloroquine turned out to be workable, that would just be the perfect day. All right. Stormy Daniels, somebody says. What about it? You know, all of uh, Trump's allegations have been somewhat vetted. And Trump, Trump has two advantages over Biden when it comes to the accusations. Number one, Trump has been president, and we did not see any harmful effects from Stormy Daniels, right? Did you see, did you see the president perform worse because of anything that happened with Stormy Daniels? No. I mean, it took his time. It was a distraction, but I don't think he made any different decisions about the world or, or presidenting. Um, so the president not only ran for office by telling us directly, I'm no angel, but we all knew it. You know, he didn't even have to tell us. Everybody knew that when Trump was elected, there would be an endless number of you know, stories and accusations. Some might be true, some might not be true, some might be exaggerated, but there's nobody who didn't know it. So the fact that everybody expected it, and then we've watched him do the job for, it'll be four years by election day, if you watch him do the job and it doesn't affect him, you can kind of discount it, because he never really tried to hide it. He just said, hey, I'm no angel. Um, Whereas Biden, his entire vibe is the opposite. So if it comes out that he's in any way like Trump, the whole argument for why you need to promote or replace Trump goes away. Obviously. All right. Um, Stormy said she lied. About what? Is that new news? I haven't heard anything about that. Um, Somebody says uh, there was a hydroxychloroquine story Yesterday, I didn't see a story yesterday that said it was 90% effective. Uh, oh, I think that 90% was not the 90%. It, it didn't sound, it wasn't as good as that sounds. If it's the study you're talking about that I did see. Um, 
He is not in the basement? Yeah, Trump is not in the basement. That certainly makes a difference. 40% chance that Scott can't predict the future? There's a 100% chance I can't predict the future. Nobody can predict the future. Uh, oh, uh, Elon Musk. Yeah, so we have the Battle of the Billionaires. So Mark Cuban and Elon Musk seem to be on um, opposite ends about the shutdown. Mark Cuban is more the, you know, let's, uh, let's be smart. You know, I don't think he commits to exactly where we should open up and why. Whereas Elon Musk is more, it's a fascist thing, free, free everybody and let us live. And I'm not sure that either of them, I don't think that either of them are wrong. Those are just two different priorities. Um, studies countering studies. Trump is going, going to Phoenix, he is. Stormy said after that the affair never happened. No, she didn't. No, she did not. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm just looking at your... Uh, somebody said, French study says lupus patients on hydroxy did better. Well, we'll look for that. I'm not aware of any uh, new hydroxychloroquine studies in the last 24 hours, but let's see if there are. Um, the Wuhan Institute... Uh, filed for a patent on remdesivir. Yeah, the fact that China can file a patent on American intellectual property, that's pretty much all you need, right, to withdraw from any kind of connection with China. Um, (laughs) Somebody says their throat is getting sore and they haven't left the house in six weeks. Well, I don't think it's the coronavirus then. Oh, yeah, the lady with the fish tank cleaner whose husband died of it, uh, she's being investigated for homicide. So the, that's a new twist. So it turns out that maybe, that maybe, uh, maybe they didn't die from taking President Trump's advice. Maybe it was a murder all along. Maybe. All right. Um, I saw a, uh, what was it, uh, Dr. Didier, the, uh, the French virologist expert. He said that Dr. Fauci uh, doesn't know what he's talking about with the second bump. So, so Fauci's talked about how even if we get on top of it in the summer, it's likely to be a, a second uh, peak sometime later in the next season because we won't be able to completely get rid of it. And Didier, the French guy, said, no, that's just a bad pattern recognition. Because in 1918, that's what happened. But in 1918, the 1918 flu started in the summer. So because it started in the summer, it had a different arc. And he said, no, that's just bad analysis. That uh, if it started when it started, you're going to get one hump, and then it will die out. But here's the most interesting thing. Remember, I, I I drew a picture on my whiteboard the other day, and I showed that the, the prediction is that we're trying to flatten the curve, and then at some point it'll die out. And I was complaining, and I said, we don't have a plan. There's nothing that we're doing that would suggest there's any reason for the, the virus ever to die out. 
without herd immunity, and we wouldn't have it by that time on the graph. So I was saying we have no plan for this virus to decrease in effectiveness because there's nothing we're doing that will make it happen. And here's what DDA said. He said that all viruses peter out, and here's the key, key sentence, from a top virologist, we don't know why. What? Are you kidding me? Did you hear that? So DDA, uh, is that DDA Raoult? Am I using his first name instead of his last name? Is that what I'm doing? Anyway, he's this top French virologist uh, guy, and he says that we actually don't know why viruses peter out. And I thought, are you serious? How do we not know that? Isn't our entire strategy based on some understanding of that? We don't know why they decrease, because they all do. So DDA just says, yeah, they all do that. You won't even have to do anything special, apparently. If you can survive, you just have to wait. Now, I don't know why that's true. Somebody says vaccines might be part of the issue. I don't think so, because every prior to the age of vaccines, every virus came and went as well. So, uh, oh, it's DDA, DDA Raut, Raut. So I think that's his name. Okay. Dr. DDA Raut. Thank you for correcting me on that. All right. Uh, so Scott is saying the stormy story is false. What stormy story? Um, whoever started the sentence with so, you should consult with the other people who know me better. And you know that anybody who starts a sentence with so, whatever follows so, is ridiculous and have nothing to do with me. So the answer to your question, Mr. So, the tell for cognitive dissonance, whatever you said after the word so, just assume it's not true because nothing after the word so is ever true. So you wrote it. You can, you can deal with that. All right. Um, I will talk to you tonight. See you then.